Welcome to Prescription Podcast. On this show, we present to you up-to-date facts on medical-related topics. We are your hosts. I'm Ian, a surgeon. I'm Zichin, a gastroenterologist. We're both practicing in Kuala Lumpur. We are on Apple and Spotify Podcasts. Please follow us for updates on new episodes. And we're still in Season 2. Today, we are on Episode 6 and we are talking about maybe some people's favourite topic, pimples or acne. <laughs> Today is very honoured for us to have our guest, our guest speaker, Dr. Evelyn Yap Wenyi, who is a dermatologist working in Hospital Pakar Sultana Fatimar, Muar Johor, and also Makota Medical Centre, Malacca. Welcome on board, Evelyn. Thank you, uh, Zichin and Ian, for the kind introduction. Such an honour to be here. Alright. Personally, I have interest in this topic because I was once a teenager full of pimples. So the, the medical terminology for this is acne vulgaris, right? So maybe you want to tell us just a little bit of background on who gets pimples or what is acne vulgaris, that kind of thing. Sure, of course. I'll be happy to. In fact, you know, this is a topic that I've chosen to speak on since it's very common. It affects so many patients and this is not a condition to be taken lightly since acne can also potentially lead to a lot of psychological distress in patients who are suffering from it. And so let's get right into it. So firstly, like you want to know what causes acne. So acne basically develops when our pores become clogged by dead skin cells and oil. And then these subsequently gets acted on by bacteria known as cutibacterium acne, leading to inflammation on the skin. And then they manifest as whitehead, blackheads, and even red bumps on the skin. I see. So there are different types of acne in that sense because you know we do see we do come across some patient who has a very severe acne you know mm -hmm. that some pus and all mm. that and some are very mild how do we differentiate them well in general the acne that we see on patients can be divided into two types of acne lesions the inflammatory and the non-inflammatory ones so the non-inflammatories are basically the blackheads and the whiteheads that you see on patients' face. Whereas the inflammatory ones that you get, you know, the red bumps that has got pus. And sometimes they can even be big, like, you know, forming what we call like nodules or even like cysts on the patient's skin. Mm. Yeah. So why is it that, you know, some acne lesions are non-inflammatory and some are yep. inflammatory is is basically at what's Stage, you know, these bacteria are acting on. If, you know, you just only have the dead cells and the oil getting clogged in your follicles, then a lot of times you will only get blackheads or whiteheads. But once the bacteria starts acting on it and triggering, you know, a whole lot of inflammation on the skin, that's when you get the inflammatory lesions. Mm. So who are the people who normally get this acne? I mean, well, I was, teenagers, yeah, anyone else? Yeah, the main bulk is still the adolescents because during right. puberty, sex hormones, also known as androgens, increase in level and then they can increase the size of the skin's oil glands. And these glands just start making more oil, which eventually clog the pores and contributing to acne. Besides adolescents, Acne is also a growing problem for women aged over 25 years old. So most of these women, they may have acne as teenager and then they continue to get breakouts as adults. And uh, some of these women actually had 
teenage acne that had cleared, but then years later, they are experiencing acne breakouts again. So a lot of times I get asked by these adult female acne patients whether or not they need to have their hormone levels checked. I would say majority of them don't require this test actually. However, if I see that these patients also have other symptoms such as you know increased hair growth, uh, menstrual irregularities, overweight, then I would suggest going for a hormonal test because in such cases, the patient might be having polycystic ovarian syndrome, PCOS, mm. which will then mean that she will need to be referred you know, to the gynae for co-management. So, yeah. So whilst we are on, like, you know, who are more likely uh, to get acne, you know, I would also like to touch a little bit on mask knee, which is something that I've seen increasingly since the beginning oh, of the COVID-19 yeah. pandemic. So basically, yeah. mask knee, it is a new term coined in year 2020. You know, when I was training to be a dermatologist, there is no mask knee. There. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, basically, like, you know, you can probably guess it is short for mask acne. As the name implies, it is acne that's triggered by wearing face masks. So the prolonged wearing of face masks actually result in skin temperature changes. So basically, our skin temperature rises with that prolonged face mask over. So do you know that for every one degree Celsius rise in temperature, we actually will get a 10% increase in oil production. So, you mm. know, and also, you know, you know, the prolonged local pressure from the facial mask also occlude your hair follicles, occlude your pores, further contributing to the acne. And that's why, you know, we see so many mask knees nowadays. Right. I see. That's very yeah. interesting, actually. Yeah. Yeah. But th does that mean that then is more prone for the inflammatory type of the acne. Yeah, actually... Or who is more prone, you know, uh, to get the inflammatory acne? Well, you know, for mask knee, you know, uh, yeah, I do see that uh, patients tend to have, you know, the inflammatory types. It, simply because, you know, there's a lot of irritation from the mask onto the skin. And that's why, you know, we always tell patients that, you know, one of the ways to avoid mask knee is that you must change your your mask regularly. Uh, in fact, like, you know, every two hours after wearing a mask, you need to like just take it off and let your skin breathe so that, you know, it avoids mm. uh, all this, you know, bacteria mm. from acting on your acne. Right. So, I mean, very interesting information about adolescents having acne and women uh, past certain age, right? Mm -hmm. I was just about to ask because I still get acne sometimes. So where yeah. do I fit in all of this? <laughs> <laughs> Still young. <laughs> yeah. Still young, hopefully. Yeah, but it's usually, it's usually mm. around the facial hair, so I suppose it's because of uh, irritated hair follicles. Yes, right? uh, I mean, sometimes for male patients, right, you know, because you guys shave. So yeah. uh, with that shaving, right, sometimes, you know, uh, it can also trigger, I would say it wouldn't necessarily be acne, but more mm. of just folliculitis, inflammation of the hair follicles. Yeah. Especially when, you know, if you're using the razor that is like, you know, sometimes it's like triple blade of five blades and you get that very clean shaven look but that yeah. can also sometimes trigger folliculitis okay yeah good to know so at least i know i don't have any uh, hormonal problem or something. <laughs> yeah don't worry <laughs> okay okay yeah yeah so i think the question for most people when they get acne is what should they do exactly right because some people would you know i, I know a lot of teenagers probably including myself would probably try to squeeze 
the <laughs> inflammatory ones out. Yeah. Especially if they see it's pastilles and whatnot, right? Yeah. So what what should one do? Uh, what should they? Uh, what actions should they take if they have any of those acne, any of those types, non-inflammatory and inflammatory? Okay, for the inflammatory one, I'm going to start off by saying what you should not do, and that is right. try to pop your pimple. I know. <laughs> That's everyone's favorite. Yeah, I know, I know. I, I feel it too, you know, like when you wake up in the morning, yeah, when you wake up in the morning and you, you see a huge uh, pimple on your face, the first instinct is to just try to press it out, thinking that, you know, yeah. it will resolve. But I mean, for those of us have actually tried to squeeze it out, you would notice that, you know, after you try to do it, the inflammation actually gets worse. And, you know, sometimes by doing that, you are potentially triggering injury to the deeper layers of your skin and so when the deeper layers are injured then you know the possibility of scarring will be heightened and that's why you know we ask patients you know not to try to pop their pimples but you know so what what do you do you know when you have like a breakout you know it really can ruin your day actually So what I ask patients to do is that one, if what you can do is that you can apply certain medication such as benzoyl peroxide, uh, which actually is available. It's available over the counter. You can get it in a lot of drugstores. It is marketed by the brand Oxy. So mm. in in the ah, yeah sounds familiar yeah very familiar brand yeah exactly. So in 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 the market, you know, we have Oxy two point five, we have Oxy five and Oxy ten. This just represents right. like different concentration. Of course, the higher the concentration, the more efficacious it is. But it is also more likely to be associated with irritation. I usually just ask patients to go with the two point five or five. Mm. Then then also nowadays, I I'm not sure whether have you guys seen like you know patients walking around with this acne patch on their face these are actually like you know hydrocolloid dressing so they they, yeah Ah. they're hydrocolloid dressing but they're skin colored and they're very small so it holds a lot of appeal to acne patients nowadays because you know being skin colored is not obvious so they find it cosmetically acceptable so you could actually use these kind of patches on it right. to, uh, if, if you if you have um, like you know one or two outbreaks then you can use that because the other thing good about using these patches is that you know it prevents you from using your hand and you know keep touching on your acne mm. because the more you touch it the worse it's going to be so yeah right. yeah that's the other thing that you know patients can do but of course uh, the steps that I've just um, mentioned to you are only you know applicable if you only have like one or two breakouts yeah. For some patients, you know, they really have like a whole have phase many. of yeah, breakout. So in that case, you know, you really need to come and see me so I can tell you mm. more, you know, what to do. Yeah. Yeah. Even you mentioned about using oxy and oxy is available over the counter with different concentrations. Mm -hmm. So how long after using oxy on your own that you advise actually, you know, needed to seek and advice from the professional? Okay, usually after about two to three days of oxy, you generally see an improvement. But you know, sometimes, you know, the acne just just continue to progress to become, you know, what we call as acne cysts. Uh, meaning that it is very big or sometimes you know if you feel that it is really taking a long time to resolve then you know you or or it's causing a lot of pain then you know patients can come and see me as well 
I see. Mm-hmm. So it's about two to three days in general. Yeah. I was thinking one to two weeks. Oh, no, no. <laughs> so, yeah. so two to three days yeah. is the take-home message. You should just go on to seek a professional advice if it does not uh, respond to your own uh, remedy. Yeah. So furthermore to that, any other thing that would actually aggravate acne, we always hear when we were younger, you know, mom always said, no fried food, <laughs> you know, no heaty food, you know. Yeah. Are those myths or facts? Well, okay, to be honest, actually, uh, there are some studies that show that there is indeed uh, a link between diet and acne. So, but, you know, the studies that have found to be linked with acne are mainly the high glycemic index diet and also dairy products. So your heaty food, your spicy food, even chocolates have been studied, but you know, no significant link was found. But I, I also have to say that even though I mentioned, you know, studies have found that high glycemic index food and also dairy products are associated with acne. However, these studies are actually very small. And so, you know, they are not strong enough for, for us to make it like a recommendation that patients with acne should go on dietary exclusion. So that's why, you know, what I do when patients ask me you know, if there's any type of food that they need to avoid is that I would just tell them, first I will just ask them if they have noticed any, you know, certain type of food, does it, uh, taking certain type of food, does it aggravate their acne? If they say, yeah, you know, if they take certain food, they tend to have more breakout, then I will ask them to avoid. But if the patient mm. don't actually report any worsening with any particular type of food, then I would just, you know, don't bother asking them going on dietary exclusion. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, we need to understand that it takes more than just excluding certain type of food to get clear skin. Mm. What is more important is that you need to practice like proper facial skin care and right. possibly even, you know, use help of certain medications in order to control the acne. These are more uh, important steps to follow rather than just dietary exclusion. So interesting point you brought up there. Mm. You know, I've always seen friends and I can attest to this for some people. You know, the wife says, you know, I have to use so many types of skincare to get my skin looking so good. This guy only uses his shampoo, water and wash his face and yet he still has flawless skin. So, I mean, you're talking about skincare, right? Yeah. What, what's your comment on that in terms of, you know, some people really don't need to do anything and yet their face don't get acne. Yeah, I think those people are just generally blessed really with blessed. Blessed. Yeah, blessed with good genes. But I, I mean, uh, I do feel that, you know, I, I do feel that skincare products help in preventing acne. Right. I think, you know, if you're one of those who is blessed with good genes and good skin, then, you know, it doesn't matter even if you don't use. But majority <laughs> of us actually need, you know, the help of these skincare products to help us achieve clear skin. So, right. but anyway, usually even if I advise patients to use skincare product, we need to make it simple because it has to be a regime that patients won't find it too difficult to follow. So what yeah. I recommend is usually a cleanser, a moisturizer, and a sunscreen. So why are cleansers important? Well, I think uh, we all know cleansers can remove your makeup, your oil, your dirt, your dead skin cells, and the bacteria. So in that way, it is good uh, for our acne patients. So if they were right. to use cleansers, usually I will ask them to use something that is like mild with slightly acidic mm. or neutral pH and alcohol-free. 
some people like to scrub, you know, like to use like cleansers with a lot of those beads that can scrub. Yep. So this is really not advisable for acne because it tends to irritate the skin more and therefore, you know, triggering acne outbreak. So right. yeah, wow. yeah. So so know that. yeah. So we don't ask <laughs> patients to scrub, grow for scrub. So so I thought it was good to do exfoliation once in a while. Yeah, is that no? Actually, <laughs> it is not. <laughs> oh no. Okay. Oh, no. I suppose you know if you're using the very mild or very very small one, small beads is okay. But you know sometimes the really big one and the really harsh one will really trigger mm. irrit. Uh, we really trigger irritation on the skin, and we know that wow. you know with this irritation it can actually predispose to more acne. So mm. yeah, generally I would ask patients not to use them. So yeah, that's for cleanser. Then the moisturizer, mm. you know, uh, a lot of patients with acne, they, they already feel that their skin is oily and greasy. So using a moisturizer is probably like, you know, the last thing on their mind. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Right. but you know, just on the contrary, I think, you know, a moisturizer is may just be, you know, what the patient needs, especially if they are already using like prescription acne treatments, like, you know, salicylic acid, like the retinoid mm. creams, adapalene, and even your benzoyl peroxide. Because all this treatment has the ability to cause dryness and irritation to the skin. So mm. you want to reduce that uh, to, to ensure that, you know, the patients can comply it to this treatment and therefore you know using a moisturizer can actually help the skin to tolerate these medications better therefore improving mm. compliance and right. yeah I see. and the last I see. Uh, and the last skincare product that i recommend to acne patients is sunscreen we know that you know the uv radiation from the sun can trigger acne like i have already covered oh. like you know with, with every one degree uh, Celsius increase yep. in your skin temperature, you increase oil. So you want to avoid, that's why you want to avoid the sun. And that's why using a sunscreen is recommended. And also, you know, many patients with acne, you know, when their acne heal, they will leave, you know, black marks on the skin. The, yeah, the pigmentation. So if you use sunscreen, it can also help uh, with lightening of these black marks. Mm. So yeah, so it's something that's good for acne patients. I see. Mm. Okay. So... Topical sunscreen is what we always uh, known. You know, it's very common. Yeah. Um. What about the oral um the tablet sunscreen that's available out there? What's your comment on that? Oh, I actually think that uh that is a good thing to take. Also, this oral sunscreen uh, actually contain very high levels of antioxidant that can prevent you know photo aging, but you have to know that even if you are already taking the oral sunscreen it does not mean that you do not need to use the topical sunscreen because yeah, yeah the protection offered by you know the oral sunscreen is actually very minimal so mm. yeah but it is good to take because it at least it can confer some some form of protection on areas that are frequently neglected with sunscreen topical sunscreen use such as your scalp or even you know the area around the eyes and even, you know, the whole body, uh, the, the limbs, which patient, uh, a lot of patients tend to neglect apply sunscreen. So I suppose if you are taking the oral sunscreen, it does comfort some protection. Some is 
uh, better than none at all. So yeah, it is something that yeah I think patients can take if they want to improve their skin condition mm-hmm. in general. Yeah, true, true. Mm-hmm. That's a good advice, I think, because we can't be applying sunscreen to our whole body. Yeah. It's just too much time. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So one question I have, you know, we were talking about cleanser earlier, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. How old do you recommend this practice to start, you know? And how um, often, how how often, often should how be many times as well? Yeah. Okay, I'll start yeah. with the frequency. There is actually a study looking at frequency of face washing. And they found oh. that, you know, the ideal frequency is actually twice a day. So it, in that study, you know, if you wash once a day, it actually does not reduce the acne as well as twice a day. Mm. But in that study, it also shows that if you wash like four times a day, it somehow, you know, does not give any effect to the acne. Uh, why is that so? I'm not sure. But so based on this study, the recommended uh, frequency is actually twice a day. So in terms of what age can patients start w- using cleansers to wash their face? If you're, I think if you're using a mild cleanser without, you know, all these additives such as, you know, benzoyl peroxide or adapalene or, you know, or, or the vitamin A or the retinoids, I think there is no, uh, there is no real uh, restriction, meaning that even young patients even children can actually use cleansers to wash their face because after all, they are already using body cleansers to wash their body. So that cleanser can mm. actually be used to wash their face at all, as well. Cleanser also contains other ingredients such as you know benzoyl peroxide or salicylic acid. Uh, you might want to wait until the child is a little bit older, like perhaps already you know starting to achieve puberty. Uh, before you start to use these products because, you know, the children's skin tends to be more tender, like, you know, mesoproxide or even like retinol or salicylic acid, they have the ability to cause skin irritation. So when the skin is very tender, the likelihood of developing skin irritation is higher. And that's why I, yeah, I do not recommend, uh, you know, children to use cleansers that has got these ingredients. But if you're talking about, you know, the non-soap cleansers, the mild cleansers, then I think there shouldn't be any restriction. I see, I see. Okay, so probably we can just um, summarize a little on this. We probably can use it when they achieve puberty. Yeah. It's attain puberty and when they start start developing acne. Yes. Probably that's the safe time zone to use. Yeah. I think when they are even younger, there is no need, right? For yeah. them to, to go on to this type of cleanser. Probably just simple water and all that would be adequate, right? Mm. Okay. One very logistical question, which might seem very obvious, but is it twice a day? Is that morning and night or afternoon and night for cleansing well, of face? Does that really matter? I don't think it matters, but generally, I mean, the general practice will be morning and night. Mm, okay. Yeah. Before going out and after coming home, I think that's our usual routine. Yeah. Or at least that. At least that, right? Yeah. Evelyn? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. From your point of view. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think uh, basically the consensus is that there isn't really one specific food. I mean, I did read about, you know, milk products and asking to drink skim milk and whatnot. But yeah, like you said, I think probably there's not really one thing and the patient or the person has to observe and see what uh, actually affects them. But essentially, is if they have tried over-the-counter medication and it doesn't work for three days, they should see a dermatologist. 
but essentially it's uh keeping good hygiene, not touching, not touching yeah. the, the the acne, not trying to pop it, uh, and washing the face twice a day with using good adequate skin products. I guess would be helpful in in tackling acne, right? Yeah. Okay. So I think it's quite an interesting and uh, fruitful topic that we have discussed today. Uh, with that, maybe we've come to an end on this podcast. Before we end, maybe Evelyn, do you have any last words, you know, to, to share or to remind our audiences? Well, I think, you know, acne is a very common problem. And then people tend to dismiss it as a cosmetic condition mm. that patients, you know, that adolescents will eventually outgrow. But I think, you know, we should not underestimate the impact of acne on, you know, patients because sometimes it really does affect their self-confidence and this can also like persist even after their acne has, you know, resolved. So if you know any patient or you, if you are a patient who has acne and who has tried, you know, all you can, you know, your home remedy, your over-the-counter uh, medications, your skincare products, but yet you are still having uncontrolled acne, then it is worthwhile you know, seeing a doctor or seeing a dermatologist uh, to help you clear up the skin even better. Mm. Okay, so yeah, that's yeah, my final yeah. word. Thanks, Evelyn. Yeah. I think this is really in line with all our podcasts previously, you know, to seek treatment early. Yep to prevent it from getting uh, to a severe form where, you know, when complication sets in and it's very difficult to handle. Okay. With that, please do email us if you do have any other questions at prescriptionpod, P-R-E-S-C-R-I-P-T-I-O-N-P-O-D at gmail.com. With that, thank you for listening in. We'll see you in the next episode. All right. Bye. Thank you.